Hi guys, it's Mark from UK Angling, also the currently seat of Dimmick Pit Syndicate. So I basically just thought I'd touch the, uh, and jump online with everybody else. I mean, I'm on a lot of the social media platforms anyway. We're on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, and podcast seems the next sort of step that we should be doing, really. So I took control of this one, I thought I'd jump on it. I've already tried it once or twice, and uh, yet for some reason um, the content sort of gets lost. So hopefully this one will work. If you're listening to this now, and obviously it's worked. So um, a lot of people know me, uh, obviously, from more than UK Angling, more I'd say Dimmock's Pit Syndicate, which is a neglected. 1930s clay pit which I've taken over um, and brought back to life as such well bringing back to life so basically this short podcast is A is to test it but B to give anyone that knows me a little insight on how I came to be the lead C of Dimmock's pit I mean what actually happened a few people have asked me Mark you know how did you get it and it's uh, it was a long process to be frank it was a long process and was worth it but as in life, things happen in really odd and mysterious ways. So, actually, by tra- I'm actually a tradesman. That's how I make my money. That's how I fund UK Angling, the competitions, and all the bits and pieces we do on that online. But it also helps fund Dimmock's Pit. As or, or, you know, so it all began it's probably about three years ago. And, and what's happened is I've gone around a gentleman's house and basically to fit a bathroom. So I've knocked on the door, gone to the bathroom, and then just above his uh, sort of like his conservatory stroke man cave kind of area, I noticed a couple of cane rods, and you know we started chewing the fat and chatting about the rods, uh, and it's about how we like to fish, and then Dimmock's Pit came up, and Dimmock's Pit, I remember going down when I was younger with my old man, and we used to roll down there early hours in the morning, and we'd flick a float out, and I knew it was really good for tench. So we used to bang a, a small stick float up against the reeds quite tight, uh, and one would file out the corn, while the other one would obviously cast. And as it sort of dropped, you know, and, and descended into the depths of the pit, it would obviously get taken by a nice-sized tench. So it's sort of supposed known as a tench lake, and secondly, it's also known as a bit of a pike lake. I mean, anyone who's anyone who's anyone um, goes has been down to mix pit, doing a bit of spinning, a bit of lure fishing, a bit of dead baiting. But anyway, so I'm chatting to uh, Rob, his name was. I was chatting to Rob uh, about the mix pit, and he was explaining to me how he'd spent a year or so chasing to get the lease. And then when the terms and condition came, he was a bit uneasy, and, and the guy who was meant to do it with him sort of decided he wasn't really willing to, to get that involved. So so straight away, my ears a prick straight up. I thought, you know what, this sounds like a good opportunity. And I know the lake. I know where it's located. I like the, how it's peacefully sort of to one side. Um, so lucky enough, he just gave me the paperwork. I said, Rob, can I, can I have the details? He passed me the details, and brilliant. So that's how it sort of began. So, you know, so I've got this bit of this, this paperwork in there with all the details I need to get the lease. So, you know, lunch time, literally at lunchtime, I said, I said, look, or well, must have just gone lunchtime. I said, look, Rob, I need to go and get some materials for the bathroom. I'll be back uh, in, in about half an hour max. And knowing that the lake was literally around the corner from where I was working. So I've grabbed the, you know, grabbed the paperwork, shoved the paperwork in, in my van and I'll, boomed it down there and I popped over the, the rickety hole fence I mean it was just a cattle sort of gate half wedged in um, and yeah I jumped over the first bit and literally within I got through this little car park and then there was just that was it there was just honestly the the blackberry bushes and thorn bushes were absolutely ridiculous I mean uh, honestly you know when a, when a thorn bush or blackberry bush becomes a tree you know, it's been there that long. It's almost an inch thick. And, and um, the spikes just obviously razor sharp. And it must have been, I'm, I kid you not, oh, about five foot high. It's ridiculous. And I was like, there's no way I'm getting through here. 
at all. I just couldn't get through. So I milled around, and as we know with Dimmocks, the, the, the gate's a bit bashed up around the back, and there's always an access point. You'll find anywhere there's like a little neglected lake or pond, the locals have already sort of made an entrance. You know, they've already cut a little gap in a fence, or they've smashed down a bit of a bush just to get in there to get a bit of free line and whatnot. So I managed to find this little gap right down the back of the lake, and I've gone on. Uh, and then I was just over the moon, I've looked through, I mean there was fish there, there's lots of roach, rud, little fish jumping, nothing majorly big that I could see straight away, but it looked beautiful, honestly, the site was amazing, yeah it was overgrown, and it was a, you know, a bit scabby, a bit of rubbish and things like that, and there's just random stuff thrown around the lake, but it looked really peaceful to me, and I could see the red kites cutting around, see a few things roll, and I thought, you know what, I want this, that's what I want, I want this lake, um, straight away, Ended up uh, getting back to, to a customer's house. I've been going about three hours, but I was really buzzing. I was quite excited. I was just, you know, just found this paperwork, and now I've got this sort of like potential to get a fishery of my own. And the lake that I used to fish when I was a kid with my dad. I was just absolutely all excited for this lake now. So I couldn't stop thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So I got home, uh, and then I started trying to contact the company. And it was just dead ends. Like no one was replying to me. They were ignoring me. I'd call and say, "Can someone give me a call back reference to pit?" No one would call me. Um, to the point, I started actually just sort of like regularly calling them up or messaging them every sort of couple of weeks, just to let you know that this lake's unsafe because of this. Um, just to let you know, um, there's a, a washing machine on the edge of the lake. Just to let you know, there's loads of kids running around the lake with no signage. It's not safe. I just really put it on thick. I think eventually, after about six months of continuously badgering them, they sort of said they gave me a bit of a shot. So I got a phone call from someone from the, the agency, and they said, look, you know, Basically, we've had this before where people take the lake on, they do sort of half-assed work with it, it becomes too difficult because of the nature of the beast, and they walk away, leaving it to rot again. And I was like, they don't know me. Those who know me know me pretty damn well. Look, I get my teeth into something, and I don't give in. I just keep ploughing forward. So I've sort of like put a proposal together, emailed it over to uh, a proposal for what I want to do with the lake, left the stage payments over the... Um, Stage, not stage, just the stage of work over the next sort of few years and proposed it to him. And he replied saying to him, what do I think of the cost? So I put in the cost of what it's going to cost me to refurbish it and how I want to take it, what I want to be, where I want to go. And, um, you know, it must have been about a, almost a year and a half before I finally got their nod to say they were willing to accept me. Um, I don't know if it's all on the hush, but to be honest with you, by that time, I think within about six weeks, I'd already started jumping the fence with a machete. And you could go down there, obviously, most most evenings, and you'll see me hanging a skinny little whippet, hanging out the top of a tree with just a handsaw. Because I didn't really have much sort of uh, gardening or landscaping equipment. All I had was the trade gear. So I had things like jigsaws, circular saws, hammer drills, and things like that. And I just, I just made the best of a bad situation. So I carved my way through the lake. And if you go back to Dimit Syndicate page, go right to the beginning, you'll see what the lake looked like in regards to the, the thorns and the trees and the rubbish. And yeah, so I, I just carved my way through the lake with some shade to get a bit of a path, hung out the trees, cutting the trees down. And eventually I sort of had a half ass route. And this, uh, and this was like... I don't know, I've, I hadn't really had it, I had, I've been trying to get it for about a year, so I was doing this a bit premature, but I just knew I'd get the lake, there was no doubt in my mind that I would get that lake, so 
in between then, I, I sort of uh, shuffled off and got myself 250 carp um, between uh, six inches to a pound and introduced them into the lake, which can be seen caught reg- well, recently, about four, three to four pound. Long, very lean, skinny looking carp. Um, they're not a belly. I think they're like an old English strain, so they're not really... Uh, big belly they're very long and lean with big back paddles which are absolutely stunning and the lake being the lake it is is very clear and very silty uh, so the carp are naturally going a real dark kind of color which is just beautiful and half the, all, you know, all the fish have never really been caught so everything's pristine so you know so here, here i am now with this lake put the fish and I'm, I'm chopping away chopping and chopping away i'm taking out things like uh long lines finding long lines in there and i remember this uh Eventually, I got the phone call and said, right, your lease is here, have a read. Then you have to read the lease, sign it, send it back. They send it back for amendment, and it goes back. And this takes another six months. So by then, I've been working quite hard on the lake. And even, I, I went down and cut the chain. I cut the chain and put my own padlock on it. Even though it wasn't mine on the paperwork, I classed it as mine. I thought, well, if I don't start now, it'll never get done. So me and the family went down and just worked on it. Um, then... Finally, um, I remember sitting on top of the high bank, not the high bank, it's the right-hand side and swims in between two big trees. And I was float fishing with family. And what I tend to do is put a rod out and I'd work the lake. So as we were fishing, I was working the lake. So there's always something productive going on down there. So what I did was, I remember the float rod being out there. And I looked around and I just thought, there's a, someone's throwing a barrel of oil or some kid in the lake. It was absolutely going. So I looked and I just see this sort of dark, sort of look like a rusty old, can at the bottom in the lake but as I looked a bit closer I didn't have my paddleroids on but it didn't break the surface which is sort of like oh, I thought it'd break the surface and it just sat there and it's only when I see it do the, the turn it turned it bottomed up broke the surface with the towel fin and it gently marauded its way straight to the reeds the reeds split and it was never to be seen again I don't know what that was. I think it was a good-sized carp. But if you look at the history of Dimmocks, a lot of people will say there were big carp in there. And there was a big freeze. And, you know, a lot of fish did die. But I still believe, and I still to this day, I'm sure I've seen many bigger carp down there. And the people that are coming down sitting there with me, especially recently, the, the anglers that have been doing the free 24-hour fishing, they can hear them. They can see, they hear the fish rolling. They see the reed splitting. And, you know, the vibe's there. You feel there's a big fish. I mean, one guy was down there the other day chatting on the phone as he's talking to me. Bosh, carp's jumped out right in front of his feet and I heard the excitement in the voice. The excitement of, you know, taking you back to a child, child day. You know, it's the same buzz you get that when you're little and you're, and you're float fishing or whip fishing on the canal and you hook something a little bit big or you see the shadow under your float. It's the same the same voice. It's the same feeling, the vibe. That, um... Ooh, ooh, get the rod, or what is it, you know, and that's what I love about that lake. So eventually, I've, I've been given a lease, and first, I, I, I put it up on the Facebook page to say, look, you know, this is my name, I finally got a lease. Don't get me wrong, I had a lot of people give me a bit of grief, tell me that I was a, a, an idiot, I was a waste of a time, nothing could be done, um, but I knew that something could be done, and I, I won't let people sort of, like, knock me down, or badger me into not doing something. Well, I don't believe in negative, negativity, thought, you know, negativity or negative thoughts. I just keep plodding forward. You know, I, I try. If I cared about what everyone thought of me, I wouldn't be doing half things I do now. So now I've got this lease. It's generally mine now, and I can work on it. So you know, first thing for me to do was right. Now I've got this lake. We're all, all legit. We get it insured. We get a registered for fish movement, um, which I ended up doing a bit later than I anticipated. Um, but what I did was, uh, I thought, well, 
first things first, I'll have a syndicate. I thought that would be the way forward. You know, get get a load of lads down there, common interests, and we'll work it. And the lads were great. I had a real great bunch of people. And, um, you know, we, we worked the lake together. And then the lake was notoriously hard to catch. I mean, roach, rod, perch, you know, easy peasy, not a problem. But there was sort of like an air of, is there any carp in there? I knew there was carp in there. I'd put them in there and seen them. But I needed to get something in there to get them, go- to get the feel, to get the vibe. So next step was, because I noticed less and less people were fishing the lake, I thought I'd go and get um, a load of C3. So they have four to, four to six pound carp uh, I got off Fish Farm UK, I believe. And there's a hoo-ha where I didn't register for fish movement correctly, so I didn't have to chase the paperwork up to do that, and he held them for me. It was, it was a bit of a palaver, but, you know, first time I'd ever done it. Um, and then when he came down, he put the carp in. The carp were immaculate, the fast growing. And they would say, all the members were there, we put them in, and I thought, this is good, this is going to... Um, inspire the guys to get down and get some bait in this lake and get these carp feeding you could see the carp boshing around seeing the crash and they weren't massive but they were there and you'd see them swollen around the backs and you'd see them kiting through uh, and the guys were coming down at first to fish and, and again the lake's weedy it's very weedy very sort of like there's lots of um reed lines overhanging trees divots holes loads of places for these carp to hide and you know they were sort of disappearing backwards and forwards and uh, you know, because there's quite a bit of silt, the guys were struggling to catch. And again, unfortunately, you know, as it got colder and less and less people started fishing, and I can appreciate that, you know, we all work hard and we've got limited time to where we can get on the bank and actually fish. You know, we are, we are, you know, we might, some people want to get out once a month. And why would you want to spend it down an old stinky 1930s clay pit when you can go to places like um, Linear Fisheries, you know, where you're going to almost guaranteed to catch a carp. Or, you know, or have a good evening, so I can appreciate that, but, you know, it was a bit gain, um, so I ended up fishing the lake quite a bit on my own, I was working on the lake, continuing to trim it down, trying to fence it, um, you know, and, and I could steal the carp, and, you know, I was still down there, most times on my own, with a couple of rods, and the other person popping down, um, but, you know, I, I loved it, it's peaceful, it's warm, it's sunny, there's no one there, I was like my own piece of paradise, you know, watched the red kites cut around, no one really had to be on there, the kids played, weren't bothering anyone, so I just sort of, um, that's how I sort of did it. Anyway, so they went in in May. The following October, I was catching them at sort of £11. Pound, and I was like, Jesus, these carp are growing fast. And we only could put it down to what the bait, you know, the naturals in that lake. So the carp were growing and, you know, I was continuously working on the lake. And, um, you know, um, I thought this is the one. Now, now that these carp are coming out, they're not massive, but they're coming out. We're going to get more people down here. And it, it just dwindled. And then by the other last year just gone, I had hardly any syndicate members, and it was gutting. But I could see the carp in there. You can see them swimming around, and I couldn't contemplate in my head, how can this lake that's so beautiful, with woods and natural surroundings, out of the way, limited small nice pegs, every peg, you want every peg's got a perfect spot to fish. You know, you, you sport for choice. The biggest problem with the lake is you don't know what peg to sit in because there's so many castable places. But, but they weren't fishing. And it got less and less. And I saw my lake, it felt like it was struggling. It felt like it needed some bait. It needed some attention. It needed some, some people fishing it to prove what was in it. Because no one knows what's in there. We've seen big fish. It used to have carp. It's endless possibilities with this place. But no one had the, was fishing. And the guys, I say, I totally appreciate why they couldn't fish it. You know, there's lots of reasons. But by this year, I think September, I decided that it will be more of a ticket fishery because 
I couldn't, I couldn't do it. There was no one coming. So unfortunately, the syndicate slowly dispersed into nothingness. I think it ends this February. So, you know, I love this lake and I work really hard and it is beautiful. Now, the people coming, we built a hut. I built a hut on it. It's got a chimney. It's got a little cooking area. So you can sit on the high bank and you can fish out out and, and, and eat and you're warm and you've got the fire going. It's just a real nice atmosphere. And there's other nice swims around the side of the lake. But, you know, it's took me a long time to get this lake. And, you know, it's been a long process. But now... Now I feel it's coming into its own. It's starting to show its colours. The old carp have been seen. The reeds smashing. You know, the little carp I put in them years ago, you know, of six inches to a pound, have been caught at two to three pounds. The carp I put in at five to six, seven pounds. I've seen them crashing 15 to 18. There's some big carp rolling. And the carp anglers that have been down there in the past few weeks have sat there and said, it's nice big carp in here. The biggest problem I've got is a massive reed bed. But I'm only a tradesman. I ain't got two and a half grand, £1,500 to start throwing it, getting reeds taken out. It will come in time. But it's come a long way from what the lake was in the beginning. If you go to the lake at the very beginning and see what it is like now, it's a world apart. You can't get machinery down there. If you guys had it before me and they've done what they can... um, we do things different. I know Milton Keynes had it for a while, but I don't know why they gave up the lease. All I can put it to, down to it is managing it because it's quite out, it's sort of out the way a little bit. There's like four houses opposite it, and that's it. And I can I can I totally agree with the fact that you can't get machinery down there. You have to go down there, or, you know, and do everything by hand. Everything I've done out like with my family has been by hand. Every tree that's been cut down is by hand. Every bush by hand. Every pathway by hand. I cannot tell you the amount of times you would, like I say, see me be pissing down the rain and I'd be hanging out of a tree just trying to get one more branch down before I left, one more branch down before I went to work. I needed to get one more bit done. And it slowly, slowly got to where it is today. And there's still lots more. It's still not even touching the cloth to where it needs to be. So that's just a little insight on what I've been doing with Dimmick's Pit. There's lots more stories about that lake and there's a lot more of what I've seen, what I'm doing to it. Um... You know, but that's just a bit of the process it took me from a, 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 a chance meeting while at work, fitting a bathroom, to today. And it all links in alongside the UK angling and things like that. So, basically, I, I, I just want to say to you guys that, you know, when I do the free fishing, come and have a look. Come and have a go. And I think next year it will be a great lake to fish. Um, so, that's me waffling along for sort of like 18 to, to 20 minutes or so. It's the first podcast I've ever done. I've got lots more stories about me as an angler, about the things I get up to, the meetings I've had, everything from the, when I was sort of five years old, tucked behind my dad, in my dad's rod, rod bag. You know, we'd, we'd fish the canal and he'd, he'd be a bream angler at that time, ages ago, you know, bream angler. But he used to float fish the bream in the canal and I'd go down with him and we didn't really have bivvies now at the time. So the old man would stick me behind his chair, you know, open up the old rod bag, make some pillars, big old sleeping bag, and that's where I would stay for the night. And I'd lay there and I'd just peer just underneath his seat and watch his float until I drifted off into a sleep and wake up, freeze my ass off because it's normally fucking cold in the morning. You know, just things like that. And the experiences that we all had, you know, I don't know as many people use them now, but the lanterns. So, you know, you used to have the lantern, it was a source of warmth and light, and it used to cook your pie on the top. You'd stick it underneath your legs, you know, on a cold night, and, you know, have a little, uh, your jacket over your legs, over a deck chair, 
and you wake up with blisters on the back of your legs where you dozed off and it was you're cold so your your legs getting closer and closer to that land and you end up with big ass blisters on the back of your legs so you know but that's like I say it's my first podcast I've done this a couple of times already and I've not been able to get it out properly on the platform this is a little bit about um, the Dimmick's Pit and I hope that you spend some time like maybe subscribing and if you like what you hear I'll do some more anyway guys it's been a pleasure uh, waffling on at you all I can say to you is be safe on the bank and tight lines